Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Sky back with you for another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod. This is episode 345. Today I'm joined by my man Bobby LaMarco to break down the divisional playoff round as we go through each game, break it down for fantasy purposes. Some of you are in some survivor leagues with Pickums. Some of you are in a new, fresh, playoff-only fantasy league, and some of you are in DFS. So we've got all that for you today on the second half of the episode we're going to be breaking down our DFS rosters for you this week and help you try to pick a winning lineup. Before we get into it, let's introduce once again my man, Bobby Lamarco, aka Fantasy Football X Factor. How you doing, brother? I'm good, Sky. Thanks for asking, man. How's it going? Doing well. Doing well. How was your uh, How was your DFS uh, results last week? We cashed, man. We did uh, both lineups for Saturday and Sunday in a full slate. So it was a pretty pretty solid weekend. But I didn't. I didn't I'm not a millionaire. Uh, I didn't win the milli or anything, but I definitely I, I doubled or maybe even tripled my money for for the most part. Awesome, man! Well done. Well, a, a win's a win. We'll take it. Right. Let's try to double up on it this week. Hey, before we get into this, man, we do have some coaching changes that have dropped today, uh, right before we got on the air here. So I just want to kind of bring these up quickly, get our uh, our quick reactions to them. Uh, Urban Meyer, longtime Florida coach, of course, for the OGs, and then uh, most recently Ohio State. Uh, took a year off, but he is back at it, getting a uh, professional gig this time, coming out of the college ranks, going to the Jacksonville Jaguars, of course, have the number one pick. And then we have Robert Sala, who was the defensive coordinator for the 49ers for multiple years, of course, going to the Super Bowl, having arguably one of the best defenses of the last decade, two years ago. Uh, everybody got injured this year, of course. They get rid of DeForest Buckner as well. Um, so things changed up front uh, quickly for the 49ers this season. Um, but still, uh, a great defensive coordinator, at least getting his first head coach opportunity with the New York football Jets. So, Bobby, of course, we're going to break all of the coaching changes down. Defensive coordinators are going to be changing. Um, positional coaches are changing. Obviously, more head coaching hires to come uh, as the spring and, and uh, summer unfold. But just quick reactions here to Urban Meyer coming up to the pros here. Uh, should be getting Trevor Lawrence unless anything gets fishy there uh, if they want to trade things with that number one pick. And then Robert Sala coming out of the 49er ranks under Shanahan, getting his opportunity to head coach the Jets. Yeah, so well, one of the other thing I thought was interesting is that early indications are that Urban Meyer is going to bring in Scott Linehan, the longtime offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, and the Detroit Lions. And when I tell you they're just completely different styles, I'm going to look, I'm really looking forward to breaking it down with you in the future. But, you know, Urban Meyer has got that spread attack. You know, he's very well known for like short to intermediate passing and spread, you know, the zone blocking scheme. And then Scott Lenahan is known for Calvin Johnson and, and Matthew Stafford downfield passing. Uh, Des Bryant had big seasons, Torrey Holt back in the day. So it's kind of an interesting clash of styles that they're going to put together, but um, definitely something that's going to be fun to look at. Very, I know a lot of people are excited about LaVishkis Chenault because of Urban Meyer, but DJ Chark could be a great fit for Scott Lenahan's scheme. So it'll be interesting to say the least. I'm definitely interested to hear about a lot about that. And then Robert Sala, I think the Jets, like we were talking about beforehand, they needed a, they need a reset and they really do. Uh, Sala's going to come in and you're the 49ers guy. So I would love to hear your thoughts on Salah. I'm more of the offensive mind guy. Like I'll tell you all about the schemes, but tell me your thoughts. What do you think he's going to do with the Jets? Well, for fantasy purposes, of course, I think it's going to, you know, there's not much to tame there for the Jets because they haven't been very exciting 
for fantasy regardless uh, for the last handful of years. So I'm not really worried about any, you know, digressions uh, for fantasy purposes. For NFL purposes, I think it's a great move. Um, as a 49er fan, as a sale of, you know, fan in general, I'm rooting for the guy personally. Um, I wish he had a better landing spot, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. I would have loved to see him somewhere else just with more promise early because what I'm really nervous about, to be honest with you, it's less about him. It's more about the team around him. I'm really nervous that this is going to be a Matt Patricia situation where he has a great, he's a great defensive coordinator, great teams go to the Super Bowl, the whole thing. I mean, you know, whenever any team that goes to the Super Bowl immediately, their offensive defensive coordinators, their GM, their head coach, all these guys get into the spotlight. Now everyone starts looking for different jobs. I think Sal is ready to be a head coach. I'm worried about the Jets in general because they're the Jets. I'm worried about the upper management. Um, I'm worried about the team around him. I do think there's going to be a number of free agent defenders around maybe Richard Sherman, who's obviously past his prime, but still a decent cornerback to come and help that defense. Um, obviously they missed Jamal Adams tremendously in the secondary there. They do have a, a defense, uh, a decent offense and defensive line to grow around. I think they get rid of Sam Darnold and bring in somebody else, whether it's a draft pick or a veteran. There's a lot of changes in, in New York. And I think it's a, a good flush. I think he's a solid coach. I'm worried about the situation because of the team around him. And usually these coaches get two or three years to prove their salt. And we saw obviously Matt Patricia was unable to do it in, in Detroit and got fired. Um, a little bit concerned overall about his opportunity there. Um, but as far as the individual and the opportunity, uh, I do think that um, it's a good match potentially to try to bring a defensive mentality um, yeah. to try to stop the bills and frankly, the dolphins who are growing quickly as well. And let's not count out the Patriots just yet. So um, I like the move overall, a little bit nervous about the long term. Yeah. Who do you think his OC is going to be? Any thoughts, any insights? No, uh, there's a couple floaters around. I don't want to get too into it in this podcast because frankly, at the point of us recording, there isn't any chatter. So I don't know. Um, again, though, you bring in a defensive minded guy like Sela. I mean, he's kind of naturally going to be a ground and pound, win it in the trenches kind of a guy. So you either match that effort with somebody that comes in with a run first approach on offense as well. Like Gary Kubiak is, you know, out in Minnesota, retired, but he's done this before hypothetically a guy like that comes back into it. I think that would be a great match, right. Mm -hmm. With what Sela wants to do. You don't necessarily want a uh, Linehan coming in who wants to run and gun it with a head coach that wants to, um, you know, kind of ground and pound. We saw that again with Matt Patricia uh, in, in Detroit, it just didn't work out uh, with the different mentalities there. So it's going to be interesting. Again, I don't think the jets have a lot around him to work with yet. They're a very young team. I think they have a lot of potential. We didn't even see Denzel Mims much this year. Chris Herndon's a great uh, yeah. tight end. We haven't seen used yet. They have a plethora of decent young running backs. They can get working. And again, solid offense and defensive line to work around. Uh, but I think they are a rebuilding team. They're bringing in a fresh head coach and uh, let's just hope that he can kind of, you know, maybe they can be the bills, you know, bringing in a new head coach with a new fire, a young team mm -hmm. and uh, rally around them. I hope that's the case. Okay. Awesome. Well, we have a, uh, two new head coaches who have landed. We're going to have many, many more coming through, obviously many more defensive coordinators. We're going to have more offensive coordinators as well. Uh, coaching changes at the quarterback, running back, tight end, wide receiver level. Um, a lot of those things are going to be happening in the next coming weeks uh, up until the NFL combine, the draft, of course, and then a few over lingering in the summer. We will bring all of those to you here on the TCK pod and we'll break everybody down later in the summer. Uh, when we have everybody pretty much settled, we'll kind of have like a coaching changes episode specifically to dive deeper. Uh, but as they come out, we'll just kind of briefly run through each one of them. So once again, Urban Meyer going to the Jacksonville Jaguars and Robert Sala heading to uh, New Jersey to take on the Jets. All right, Bobby, we got four games this week. We had six last week. Of course, we had the Packers and the Chiefs on by both of them getting back in uh, the swing of things this week. Let's start here on Saturday, two Saturday games, two Sunday games. We'll start on Saturday. We have the six seed Rams get a huge upset against their NFC West rivals, the Seahawks. This is the second time actually the Rams have beaten the Seahawks in the playoffs as the underdog there. So they definitely have their number and the Packers, of course, coming off of an incredible season. They get that number one seed. 
Aaron Rodgers absolutely on fire. They are the number one scoring offense, and the Rams are the number one scoring defense. We've seen this a few times in the playoffs. Generally, the defense has the upper hand, but we saw it last year in the Super Bowl with the 49ers and the best defense, the Chiefs and the best offense, and of course, ultimately, the Chiefs had the upper hand there. So how do you feel about the Rams and the Packers here, man? This game is in Lambeau. Rams traditionally an indoor uh, team at this point obviously have to pretty much go cross country uh, from the West Coast to the Midwest. It's going to be very cold, of course, at Lambeau Field. How do you feel about the Rams and the Packers? Yeah, so uh, when I was looking at this, I updated all the, the drop back data to understand what's going on here. And of course, the Rams are the one team on the whole slate of eight, uh, eight teams that is a true, like they bring down pass volume. So they're eighth in expectation. They're also eighth in dropbacks per game on defense. And they are a huge outlier across the board. So it's a little alarming, I think, when you're looking at the Packers offense and when we're talking a little bit later about DFS that, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to do enough to support Devontae Adams, but I might not be going all in on the Marquez Valdez-Scantlings and the Alan Lazards. On the other side, Green Bay is fifth in dropbacks per game on defense of the eight teams and sixth in expectations. So with Jared Goff banged up, playing on the road, Goff has never been really good outdoors, in the in December on the road, plus he's dealing with the thumb injury. That's kind of a big red flag for me. So when I'm looking at this game, so if we dive into the Rams first and who beats the Packers, they're gonna have to establish the run. And I think everybody kind of knows that. Cam Akers is running hot right now. Very strong performance last week against Seattle for 28 carries for 131 yards. I think that's my favorite play uh, for the Rams side. And I think that's kind of low-hanging fruit, but it is what it is. And that's how you beat the Packers. I mean, that's where their most vulnerable is on the ground. They're also going to be down one of their key interior offense uh, defensive linemen. So just another little boost for Cam Akers in that matchup. Plus we've seen pass catching RBs do pretty well against them. And we saw David Montgomery and Swift do stuff in the passing game as well. So I think Akers is just an all around great play. And then when I was looking at the receiving core and like who beats the Packers, you know, of course they have Jair Alexander and Kevin King, and you would think they're going to be very tough against outside wide receivers. And that's what the numbers kind of say. But when you look at who's beat them recently, it's been DJ Moore and then Darnell Mooney. A couple in the first matchup, it was Alvin Robinson. So those perimeter guys have been doing pretty well against them. And they also generally are, you can attack them with yards after the catch. So that's good news for Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. But I just don't see the pass volume in this game and with road golf to support two pass catchers. So it's, and I hate to say this, sometimes it's tough to pick which one's going to be. We haven't seen a lot of Robert Woods and Cooper Cuff both dominating in the same game. Last week, they both put up a decent performance, about 10 points apiece. Uh, Woods did find the end zone, but Cuff got the yardage, but it was a first half Cup, second half Woods. So I think personally in this matchup, I kind of favor Robert Woods slightly, even though the matchup says, a little bit towards Cooper Cup, just based on who's beat them. You know, DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, you know, Allen Robinson, those are outside receivers. So I would say slightly leaning Robert Woods versus Cooper Cup. And those, and on the other side of the Packers, like, yes, it's going to be Jalen Ramsey versus uh, Devontae Adams. But the one thing I will say, listen, DK Metcalf got his last week, five receptions, 96 yards and two touchdowns. One of the long touchdowns came from the slot away from, Jalen Ramsey and the biggest key for DK Metcalf is that even though he's a primary outside wide receiver he plays a, a decent amount in the slot but he also paces the team in slot targets so he's going to be in, in on the inside enough to get away from Jalen Ramsey to get his and I think he's going to put up his points and get his production so I'm not necessarily fading Devontae Adams versus Jalen Ramsey because of that usage but the other concerning part is if you look at the Rams and what they've done against wide receivers they don't let up multiple receivers that go off in the same game. There really isn't much uh, data on them that shows that. They did maybe once against the Tampa Bay Bucks early in the year where multiple guys got double-digit fantasy points. But for this slate and what I'm looking at, it's probably Devontae Adams only, and that's it. On the other side of it with Aaron Jones, I think Aaron Jones to me is just a good bet to score. I think, you know, with Lamp, with heavy favorites at home, the Packers that usually favors the run game for that home team, so I personally am okay with a guy like Aaron Jones in this matchup as well. As for Robert Tanyan, Tanyan's been a great story, but the Rams have been very good against tight ends this year, and they have not allowed a lot of production versus that position. So Robert Tanyan, to me, for from a DFS perspective, and the slate is a lot cheaper. But when we talk a little bit later about 
the matchups. The studs have such great matchups. I think I might be paying up for the position. So I think from the Packers side, it's going to be Adams and Jones. And I don't even think I'm that interested in Aaron Rodgers at home, especially with Patrick Mahomes playing Cleveland, which is a much better, better matchup uh, in general. So who would you give the uh, edge ultimately to, Adams or Ramsey? Adams, yeah. I agree. I agree. All right, we'll get into pickums at the end of the episode per usual, or at the end of this segment, I should say. Uh, we'll get into that. But uh, this is going to be a great game, man. This is going to be a really great game. Again, when 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 uh, great defenses play great offenses, uh, it's pretty close. But more often than not, the great defense uh, is able to shut it down. But Rodgers and Adams in particular are absolutely on fire right now. All right, let's get into the afternoon game here for – the Saturday slot, that's the Ravens and the Bills. The Ravens coming in, big win over the Titans. The Bills take care of business against the Colts. The Buffalo Bills are 11-3 and three in home playoff games in team history. Of course, most of that coming in the uh, early 90s um, when they went to the four Super Bowls. Of course, they didn't win any of those, but still to get to four Super Bowls is pretty incredible. Uh, again, this game should be almost um, – polar opposites i think in in game flow so the ravens coming out run first of course and that uh, and that includes lamar jackson and the bills who have been run first for the last 30 years uh are now kind of a a, a fun and gun with josh allen and of course he's able to run as well how do you feel about the ravens and the bills here man i think this is going to be probably the closest contested matchup i would say of the weekend yeah i agree and so when i'm looking at this too the baltimore ravens have been you know, this is the middle of the matchup when it comes to pass volume. Baltimore is third in dropbacks per game on the slate. Buffalo is fourth. They're both in the middle in expectation, too. So they're kind of like you can kind of expect what the volume is going to be. You know, Josh Allen's going to drop back and throw a lot. He could find success, especially because when you're looking at who beats the Ravens, for example, it has been outside wide receivers. I mean, Sterling Shepard, Rashard Higgins, Michael Gallup, and Mari Cooper all had big games against the Ravens secondary. Um, Peters is dealing with a back injury, and Marlon Humphrey kicks in the slot. So that means that there is some opportunities for them on the outside, and that means Stephon Diggs uh, could be a really big asset in this game. But also, with the injury to Zach Moss, that kind of does kick some of the potential running back touches maybe back to the passing game because it's just Devin Singletary they'll probably use Yeldon of course as well but I think that's going to help the pass volume because they're not going to have that second back to really lean on so I think that is going to help you know Josh Allen and just Stephon Diggs but then when you're looking at this and I know I'm going to take some flack because it gave me a goose egg uh, it is John Brown I mean you know, some of the guys that beaten them have been those uh, perimeter speed receivers like Gallup on the outside. And I think John, John Brown last week did still lead the team in routes. He was tied for Stefan Diggs. He was on the field a lot. He just had four empty targets. And of course, you know, Gabriel Davis caught all four of his and John Brown, his first game back, he didn't catch his. So I think it's a, it's a contrarian play that we can talk about later, but I think John Brown, there's going to be enough volume to support a second pass catcher. And with Cole Beasley playing against uh, Marlon Humphrey in the slot, I think that's going to take away from Cole Beasley and maybe give back to John Brown. So I think maybe he's in, in play in this matchup. Um, and outside, so we have, like I just touched on too, even though the matchup's bad, Devin Singletary is an interesting play because when he was, when Zach Moss was out for a three-game stretch prior, earlier this year, you know, he really monopolized the touches. He also got a lot more involved in the passing game. He had about four targets per game. Uh, he got enough production in the passing game. He became like a true workhorse. So I think because of his price point, which we'll touch on later, I think Devin Singletary is kind of an interesting play this week because there's no Zach Moss and he can finally kind of monopolize those touches. Uh, as for the tight end, um, I, Dawson Knox to me is it's you're locking into a touchdown. I mean, prime example last week, he had two catches for five yards and a touchdown. So sure. Is it lucky? Maybe he could find the end zone, but I'm not going to buy into that. So I think it's just for me, it's, Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, and then my fringe flex plays are probably John Brown and Devin Singletary in this game. And on the Ravens side, you're correct. Lamar Jackson's white hot. Buffalo's secondary is interesting because <clears throat> they actually have been much better against wide receivers over the last few weeks, but they actually aren't good against bigger receivers. So they shut down T.Y. Hilton last week, and he didn't do much, but it was Michael Pittman 
five for 90. The week before that, it was Devontae Parker, and he's a big-bodied receiver. So those smaller corners tend to have some problems with big-bodied guys. That's not Marquis Hollywood Brown. And I'm not – I think I'm going to kind of fade Marquis Hollywood Brown this game. I don't think I'm going to get cute necessarily and pick up another wide receiver, uh, you know, for example, like a Des Bryant or a Miles, Miles Boykins. I don't think they're getting enough volume, but I think that leans Mark Andrews. So, like I touched on last week with Jack Doyle and Sky, I, I almost didn't return after you talked me off Jack Doyle and for, <laughs> for Mark Andrews, but uh, – <laughs> but John, so that's, that's what I'm talking about. Last week, Doyle dominated Buffalo. And I think that's where you're going to kind of see some of the, the production go this week. And I think Mark Andrews is a fantastic play. So I lean Mark Andrews in this game along with Lamar Jackson, of course, because of his, with his legs, uh, the bills do play a lot of man. So that is good news for Lamar Jackson for his running ability, but also JK Dobbins. He kind of was a little bit of a late letdown last week, but Buffalo has been susceptible to ground games. Um, you know, last week, you know, Granted, Taylor didn't have a monster game, but he still had 21 carries for 78 yards and a touchdown. But also Naheem Hines had 75 yards rushing. So in total, the, uh, the Indianapolis Colts had 30 carries for 163 yards and a score. So I think I'm going to go back to the well, and I say J.K. Dobbins is back in play this week in this matchup. Well, so for the Ravens, it's Lamar Jackson, it's J.K. Dobbins, and it's probably Mark Andrews on the Ravens side. That's a great call. And as far as uh... – Jack Doyle goes, you and I were kind of talking over the weekend. And again, I, I said on the podcast, uh, I did fade him and I'll give you that. I went Mark Andrews. I faded <laughs> him. But what I said was, could he become like the number one guy and just go nuts? Sure. But would I counting on it? No. If they play that game five times, I wouldn't think that he would do it more than once. And for Mark Andrews to not catch a touchdown when the Ravens, um, you know, have a great game essentially uh, is quite rare. Clearly it was Marquise Brown and Lamar Jackson did the rest on the ground. So unusual circumstances in both situations, but unfortunately it's fantasy football. And that's why, uh, that's why you kind of spread the wealth with those guys. So um, interesting situation there. Okay. Let's get into the Sunday matchups. So again, we have Saturday and Sunday games here. And this one is, (laughs) This one, I think, could get ugly quick. The Browns come mm. in. They get the huge win over the Steelers, obviously. And they were up 28 nothing to the Steelers. And now they play the Chiefs. The Chiefs are fresh off of the bye. Only one team got the bye this year uh, for each uh, conference. The Packers in the NFC, the Chiefs in the AFC. The Chiefs get the bye. Andy Reid is absolutely phenomenal off a bye when he has two weeks to prepare for a team. That includes the Super Bowl last year with the 49ers. And, of course, um, uh, throughout his career with the with the Eagles and and the Chiefs as well, so the six seed Browns come in and face the Chiefs in Arrowhead, the number one seed. Andy Reid is seven and zero in his career against the Browns as a head coach. Uh, I think you know I'm personally rooting for the Browns just as like that kind of Titan story from last year, uh, but I'm not sure I have too much faith playing Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill with uh, Andy Reid off of a bye. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny too, cause like, you know, Mahomes and them didn't look too great uh, down the stretch a little bit. I mean, they had that weird game against Atlanta where Mahomes kind of just finally turned it on at the last play when he threw that touchdown to Robinson. But overall it's funny. Mahomes throws like 275 and two. We're like, he just looks off today. You know, and it's just, he has such like a ridiculous bar for himself. But when I'm looking at this game, it kind of fits a narrative for me too, though. Cause Cleveland, is we just saw that last week was crazy, right? They were up 20, 28, nothing in the first quarter against the Steelers. So that game was a little ridiculous. You know, big Ben did throw for 500 yards uh, on 68 attempts and four touchdowns. And that does make things a little skewed, but even before that, uh, you know, they were second there on this slate, Cleveland Browns are second in expectation versus dropback. So I think Mahomes and company are going to be able to throw. And they're also the Cleveland Browns are a pass funnel defense. So that's just, you know, fire up your your studs. I mean, Tyree Kill, you know, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, I'm all in on those guys. And then on the Kansas City side, you know, and it kind of fits the narrative too. They're sixth in dropbacks per game on the slate, but seventh in expectation, but they're also a huge run funnel defense. So they're a big time. So Nick Chubb and company and Kareem Hunt can really establish the run game and they can dominate them on the ground. So I think that's going to kind of be the story. I think it's going to be the Cleveland Browns. Can they set a tone early and keep Patrick Mahomes off the field and lean on Nick Chubb? I just don't think they have 
the, the skill position, uh, the skill on the defensive side, meaning in the secondary to slow down Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. So I personally think when I'm looking at this game, Chiefs, it's Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, and that's pretty much it. Even though they could technically – Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to me is a very risky play because especially because Le'Veon Bell, they use Daryl Williams a lot in the passing game now. So I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to me is just not worth it because there's cheaper options on the slate like uh, Devin Singletary. So I'm not going to look at the running game for the Chiefs. I'm just going to focus on the three, the big three. Uh, I, every time I say bet, bet on Sammy Watkins, I get burned. So I'm not even going to bother there. I know he could technically produce, produce. We just saw, you know, multiple receivers for the Steelers produce. And I understand that. But at the same time, it just every time you bet on Sammy Watkins, he lets you down. So, you know, tread lightly. But at the same time, there has been multiple receivers in three straight games against Cleveland that produced. It was Crowder and Barrios, then it was Claypool, Claypool, Schuster, Deontay Johnson in back-to-back weeks. So if you want to get throw a dart throw, maybe Sammy Watkins, but you know, neither here or there. On the Brown side, I think it's Nick Chubb to me, and I love Nick Chubb in this matchup. I think he's going to have plenty of opportunities to succeed. We have seen plenty of teams dominate the Chiefs on the ground, including the Raiders earlier in the year with Josh Jacobs. Um, but the other thing I thought was interesting was I was looking at, you know, the, uh, the Chiefs secondary. There's only been one guy that beats them, right? So it was Mike Williams, Calvin Ridley, Tim Patrick, are kind of the three biggest names that kind of dominated them over the last few weeks. Uh, but that's it. It's just one guy. And I think that's just Jarvis Landry. So I think Landry's definitely in play this week. Um, we've kind of seen the primary receiver do enough against the Chiefs to where he could produce for fantasy. So I'm okay with Jarvis Landry. But the real dip weakness for the Kansas City passing attack uh, defense is going to be the tight end. And that's Austin Hooper. So Hooper has been interesting over the last few weeks. He did have 11 targets, which paced the team against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers have one of the best tight end defenses in football. And for some reason, Austin Hooper has their number because he had seven catches, 46 yards and a touchdown. So I think Hooper is back in play this week as well. I'm not going to get cute and start Baker. I don't think he, they're ever going to throw enough for Baker to be a true asset. But at the same time, you know, based on his price point, he could be a lower cost option this week, especially because Mahomes and company are going to put up points. Hooper is extremely, extremely frustrating. Mm-hmm. I'm watching that game. I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, man, you know, two young tight ends and Hooper and, and Ebron last week. And I'm like, man, these guys are big. They're athletic. They get a lot of targets for tight ends at least. And I just, every other pass literally hits them in the hands and hits them in the face mask, hits them in the chest. They drop it. Hooper dropped a wide open touchdown essentially um, in this game. And Ebron has been uh, frustrating all season as well. So uh, it's tough to go. I mean, we'll talk DFS here in a little bit, but it's tough to go anywhere other than, you know, Kelsey or Andrews, but Hooper, I think, is is a sneaky play in all of fantasy just because they might have to rely on him. But it's hard for me to rely on Hooper just seeing what he's done the last couple of weeks with his uh, shaky yeah. catching ability, unfortunately. Okay, let's move into the last game here, the Bucks and the Saints. So the marquee matchup, of course, we're going to build this as, you know, uh, I've heard some people refer to it as the senior bowl, if you will, both the Brady <laughs> and Breeze over 40 years old, of course. This is the third time they're facing this season now in the same division with the Saints and the Bucks in the NFC South. The Saints have straight up owned the Bucks, though, uh, right. this season, but also in the last handful of years. Uh, Drew Brees has played very well against the Buccaneers. Um, they have won five straight games against Tampa Bay. The Saints have. Saints come in with kind of a narrow victory. Um you know, talking with Lucas earlier in the, in the week, kind of just recapping the wildcard weekend. It was like the saints just kind of went in there, got the win against the bears and left. There was nothing flashy, nothing dominant. Uh, They could have beat the bears by 30 and they just didn't. And I'm wondering if like, that's a negative sign or they're literally just kind of like, let's win the game, get out of here healthy and let's save it for the bucks. The bucks on the other hand, narrowly beat the Washington football team with their third or fourth string quarterback that is nerve nerve wracking for me as a Bucks fan. Um, hoping Brady can bring it one more time. Of course, that storyline of Brady changing teams and getting to another Super Bowl would be magical. I think everybody outside of uh, non jaded Patriots fans, Brady's fans, and Bucks fans are rooting for Drew Brees, who unfortunately is probably on his way out regardless of the outcome this season. 
but certainly if he could ride off into the sunset, I think it would be a, a magical end to an incredible career. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny too, because we brought this up on the last podcast in that Tom Brady and this offensive line has struggled against teams that can get pressure on the quarterback. And New Orleans has been the prime example of that. The two games they played this year were horrific. I mean, the second game, especially, Drew Brees had like four touchdowns on like 200 yards. He barely had to do much. They just completely dominated them. So, you know, when I'm looking at this game from a dropbacks perspective, this is probably the great, the best pass volume game on the slate. So the Bucs are first overall in dropbacks per game on defense. They're first in expectation. And New Orleans is second on the slate in dropbacks per game on defense and fourth in expectation. So this is clearly the best game to target for pass volume. Uh, and I think that Tom Brady and company have kind of figured it out a little bit against, I mean, the Washington football team has a notable uh, defensive line and they did their thing, the 381 yards and two touchdowns for, for Tom Brady. So I, I like this game from a matchup perspective, but if I'm looking at the Bucks overall and who beats the Saints, you know, obviously Ronald Jones is banged up and that's interesting because he's going to, it looks like he's going to play. And, you know, the New Orleans run defense is stout. I mean, David Montgomery was rolling before this last week. He had 12 carries for 31 yards. Uh, Ronald Jones, in general, when they faced this year, he did not do much on the ground. He actually missed the second game in Leonard Fournette, did all his work in the passing game. He had six catches in that game. Um, so I'm not too excited to play that game with the Bucks running attack. So the one thing I will say, though, is the Saints, their biggest weakness is the middle of the field. And they're against slot uh, wide receivers, especially. I mean, Russell Gage had monster games against them. Cooper Cup and Robert Woods dominated him. And then that huge Tyreek Hill game uh, versus New Orleans, a lot of his production came from the slot. So that tells me that Chris Godwin is probably my favorite wide receiver amongst the Bucks. But we have seen time and time again that Mike Evans, even last week, people thought he wasn't going to play or at least be a decoy. He had six catches for 119 yards. He paced the team. Uh, he was second on the team in targets only to Godwin. So, you know, I do think Mike Evans, he has been very, very bad against uh, Mark Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, I think Lattimore is probably going to be on him most of the day. And I think you're running the risk of betting on him, especially because he's not coming with a discount this week because he had a very productive game last week. So I think my, my viewpoint is I'm going to lead on Chris Godwin. And I think that's really it from the passing game. I know that Tom Brady is going to do enough, but he does spread it around. So, Last week, he was came and break four for 80. You know, yes, Antonio Brown found the end zone, but he only had three targets. So I think because Mike Evans is potentially out, I think I might lean towards Antonio Brown just a little bit, maybe like a contrarian play. But I think Chris Godwin is the guy I want in the passing game overall for the Tampa Bay Bucks. On the other side of the football, though, yes, uh, Michael Thomas has not really produced against Tampa Bay, but it's the week one performance, uh, you know, he was – Something was off with him. He wasn't playing very well. Then the next time they played, it was the first game back from his injury. He might have came back too soon. I think Michael Thomas is finally healthy. And I think that, you know, Charlton Davidson company are not going to have his number for the third time. So I think Mike, Mike Thomas is definitely in play because we've seen a lot of outside receivers. You know, Cam Sims, seven receptions last week for 100 yards. You know, Terry McLaurin, him on a bum leg, six for 75. So I think there's enough production to be had that Michael Thomas is going to be a solid play. Now, of course, last week it was Harris, but uh, Harris had seven catches for 83 yards, primary slot receiver, but Traquan Smith might be back. So I don't even think I'm going to get cute outside of Mike Thomas, but I do like Drew Brees. So I think Brees, because of that potential pass volume in this game, because the Bucks are a true pass funnel defense, I think Drew Brees is a very nice contrarian, like lower cost option on the slate because he is very cheap. So I'm in on Drew Brees and Michael Thomas is a nice stack. I also am intrigued by Jared Cook because Jared Cook has produced against the Tampa Bay Bucks the last time they faced. He is kind of building some momentum. Yes, granted, he only had four catches for 40 yards last week, but Cook had seven targets, which is was tied was tied for first with Michael Thomas and Harris. So Cook is in play in this matchup. He might not be my favorite matchup of the week for tight ends, but he's in play. And of course, Alvin Kamara. So the Bucks can beat with pass catching RBs. So that's where Kamara is going to have to do his damage. You know, he hasn't really seen that much work in the past game. He only had two catches, uh, two targets last week. So Kamara comes with risk because he had to do all his work on the ground against the Bears. But I think Kamara is going to bounce back nicely with a nice PPR game, and he's going to get some some work done in the past game as well. So I'm okay with Kamara, Cook, as a potential option, Michael Thomas, and Drew Brees for the Saints. 
All right. Well, let's get into our pickums, man. We uh, only have four games again this week. Last week we had six games. Uh, I was finally able to get a a, a week winning week uh, <laughs> after a rough regular season. Um, I fell behind and I was kind of just playing catch up um, there. And then I had to play some uh, dark horse upsets and that didn't work out. So starting the playoff pick them off. Well, I went five and one last week. My heart was set on the Browns but I bailed and went with the uh, Steelers last minute because all the COVID stuff, but that was my lone loss last week. Uh, Bobby, you were at the caboose last week, three and three Dweez and Lucas in the middle at four and two. Let's see if we can sweep it this week. I'll give you two teams. You give me the winner and then we will transition into our DFS breakdown. All right. We'll start on Saturday. Once again, here we have the Rams at the Packers. Bobby, who you got? Packers. Packers. Offense beats defense. All right, let's go with the Ravens and the Bills. Bills. Buffalo. All right, that's going to be a tough one, man. I think both those teams have a chance. If that offense, if those offenses don't get going, the defenses might take over. Let's go to the Sunday slate here. The Browns at the Chiefs. Do you think the Browns have a chance? No. Chiefs. Chiefs. Do you think it's going to be close? Yes. I think they cover. All right. All right. Let's go with the Buccaneers and the Saints to round out the divisional matchup. Oh, man, is Tom going to lose three times against this team? I, you know, I'm going to go Tom Brady. I'm going to go the Bucks. Fair enough. I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping we can get a, a Saints victory here again. Just I'm not a Tom Brady hater at all. Super rooting for the guy. I love excellence and greatness. And if he wins it, I would be super stoked for him. I am also uh, just kind of hoping Breeze can can get one though uh, as he rides out to the sunset. Okay, man, let's transition into DFS. Now, last week, we basically spent an entire episode because, again, we had six games instead of four. We had to spend more time breaking down the games. So we let our own – we had an own individual episode based on DFS strictly. We're going to combine them this week. Now, in the DFS side of things, last week you had kind of a Saturday slate, a Sunday slate, and a cumulative slate on FanDuel. I have a slate that's a cumulative weekend slate on DraftKings. We're kind of just showing everybody the differences here in pricing uh, for DraftKings and FanDuel. Neither a sponsor yet, but uh, of course, I'm sure they're listening. And if you are, uh, we would love some love some love here. So shouts out to FanDuel and DraftKings. Bobby, we're going to get through it again, man. We've talked about all the matchups. So once again, we're just going to make it nice and easy here. Let's go through your lineups. We'll go through each individual position again. Let's start with the quarterbacks. We'll make it easy. We only have a couple guys now. We only have six quarterbacks, frankly, starters at least, uh, on that top slate here. Um, who are you looking at at the top options? And, you know, who are some of those top guys that you'd be willing to pay up for? Uh, for us, it's on DraftKings, it's Mahomes and, and Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen right behind them, and then uh, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Baker Mayfield, and Jared Goff. Uh, slip underneath there, eight teams, excuse me, not six, um, under 7,000 there. So who maybe at the very top would you be willing to pay up for? And then give me a guy uh, in these six here that you're going to be fading. Yeah, it's Mahomes. Uh, you know, he's definitely worth it. I mean, Cleveland has struggled to stop passing attacks over the last month or so. And, you know, I, I just think that Mahomes at home, like you said with Andy Reid coming off the bye, I think that Mahomes is just going to be able to do whatever he wants against that defense. I know Denzel Ward will be back and Kevin Johnson, but, you know, overall, based on what I see, I think that's clearly the best matchup for quarterbacks is Cleveland. So amongst the teams on the slate. So that's where I would go uh, if I'm going to buy up. I, you know, the, the Josh Allen slash Lamar Jackson thing was my thing last week. But, you know, the Ravens, you know, their defense has been, has been getting – progressively better um and we just kind of saw what they did last week to the titans and shutting down derrick henry and then you know basically blanketing you know Corey davis and then you know Tannehill didn't look good so i think i'm just i think the price point for josh allen i can't justify paying 400 so in dk on Fanduel, it's 9200 for Mahomes, 8800 for josh allen why would i pay 8800 for Josh Allen, where I could just pay $400 more for, for Mahomes. So I think it's Mahomes is my key there. And then my buy-down option uh, is probably Drew Brees. And, you know, because he's really cheap. He's actually the second cheapest on the slate, actually. He's only 7300 And, 
Right now, I'm struggling between buying up from Mahomes or paying down for a cheaper Drew Brees because he's 7,300 versus 9,200 for Mahomes. All right, I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson here as my uh, pay-up candidate on uh, DraftKings. He's 7,600, again, 400 behind Patrick Mahomes, uh, 200 more than Josh Allen. But I agree with you. In this same game, I do lean overall the Ravens' offense uh, against the Bills' defense versus the Bills' offense versus the Ravens' defense. So I am going to go with Lamar Jackson. He's had 25-plus fantasy points in five of his last seven games. So he is absolutely on fire right now. Obviously, with the rushing ability, a season-high 136 rushing yards last week. Didn't throw a touchdown, but as we know with Lamar, he doesn't necessarily have to. So if I'm going to pay up, I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson. Of course, I love Mahomes, but I'm going to just kind of uh, change it up a little bit. So I'm going to go Lamar Jackson. Um, I also am not crazy about Josh Allen, to be honest, um, because, again, against that Ravens defense, and you made all the points clear, so I'm going to agree with you there. If I'm going to buy down, I do like Drew Brees. I also like Tom Brady just because I think it's kind of – hopefully it's a it's an old-school shootout with two of the greatest of all time. But I think maybe a sneaky play here that nobody's going to play. So if you're in like a tournament or something, I might actually go with Baker Mayfield. Um, the Chiefs are, you know, good, and they're coming off, and they're fresh and everything else. But the Browns have been tattered with COVID lately. They're getting guys back. I love Nick Chubb as well and Kareem Hunt. I'm actually going to talk about one of them later on. But I do like Baker Mayfield as kind of a um, dart throw if you wanted to buy up at running back or wide receiver and you had to kind of cut bait a little bit at quarterback. I think I would lean Baker Mayfield over Brady and Breeze because both those defenses could get nasty quick on each of them. Um, And if they go run heavy, that'll take the air out of the ball for sure. And then I just can't trust Jared Goff um, in general, outdoors at Lambeau. I don't like that. So if I'm going to pay down a quarterback, I'm actually going to go with Baker Mayfield. Let's move on to the running backs. Again, tell me a couple guys up here at the top that you would be okay to pay up for. Maybe a guy or two that you're fading up at the top area there. And then uh, give me somebody maybe in that middle to late tier that you'd be willing to play. Yeah, so Nick Chubb's the guy I've been paying up for. Um, I just think that the Kansas City, the biggest weakness of Kansas City is the ground game. So I think that if they're going, if the Cleveland Browns are going to want any any hope, I, I think I know, yes, they're on the road and Mahomes and the game could get out of hand. I get all that. But at the same time, They've been committed to the run, and I think that they're going to have plenty of success. So I think Nick Chubb is going to be the guy I would want in this game for a pay-up, buy-up option. I think he's 8,200 on Fanduel, but also he actually was the one that got the passing game work last week. So he did see a bunch of receptions in that game against Pittsburgh. So, yes, Kareem Hunt is going to be the guy if they're down multiple scores, but I've said this multiple times. When the game is close, Nick Chubb's in there, and he's running more routes than Kareem Hunt is. So I think with these games being more competitive in the playoffs, I like Chubb. And then my middle-tier guy is Cam Akers. So once again, this is another one. And I can get into a lot of trouble with these picks because Cam Akers on the road playing against in Lambeau. I just believe that, listen, you know, there's the defensive line for the Packers is not anything notable. And the Rams' rushing attack has been solid. Cam Akers has been getting doubled, uh, over 20 carries over the last few weeks. So I think – to me, Cam Akers at 7,000 on Fandle is a great middle-tier option. So those are my two main targets at the running back position for the upper tier and the middle tier. I'm going to follow you up here, and then we'll go into maybe some guys who are going to fade potentially. Uh, up in the upper tier, I mean, you can't go wrong with Alvin Kamara talent-wise, but again, you know, we're going to have to talk about Travis Kelsey this week, which we didn't have to last week. And if you put him in your lineup, you have to uh, fade all over the board, of course. So Alvin Kamara, again, it's just a matter of, yes, he could catch a lot of passes on DraftKings. It's full PPR. I love that. But if he doesn't, which he didn't last week, I don't think he's going to be able to run the ball very effectively against the Buccaneers uh, defensive line. So I'm going to fade Alvin Kamara at the price point. He's the, uh, the highest price on DraftKings and probably FanDuel, I would imagine, 7900 on DraftKings. Aaron Jones as well, same narrative uh, against the Rams defense. Very, very good. So Nick Chubb is also my guy. I would also bat an eye at J.K. Dobbins. My only concern there is Lamar Jackson taking uh, away the run and also Gus Edwards, who we never talk about, but very effective as well. So a little concern there. If I'm going to go down a little bit, you, uh, you took my guy for sure. It's Cam Akers as well. 21-plus carries in uh, five of the last six games, playing very well, getting the work. Um, 
And uh, I, I just like the workload. And again, I can't trust Jared Goff. So they're going to have to slow the ball. They can run the ball against the Packers. I think that's going to be nice for Cam Akers. And then I guess my other guy here, you mentioned Nick Chubb, and I totally agree with you. It's just a matter of the cheaper Nick Chubb, <laughs> I think might be Kareem Hunt. Two touchdowns last week. I agree with you. If the game is close, it'll probably be Nick Chubb. But we saw last week, it was a shootout for a long time, and it was kind of both guys. And then it was close at the end, and, and Kareem Hunt was still getting the ball and ended up getting two scores as well. And uh, Nick Chubb wouldn't have scored if not for a breakaway receiving uh, touchdown there. So I think both of them get it done against Kansas City. Should be a shootout one way or another. And Kareem Hunt is 1,200 cheaper than Nick Chubb. So in the middle tier there, I'm going to go with Kareem Hunt. I also have another running back who I put in my flex, just the way I worked in my lineup. Um, but he's in that middle tier as well. And that's Devin Singletary, who we talked about earlier. Yeah. I don't love Singletary. I don't like the matchup. I think the Ravens are going to, frankly, probably shut him down for the most part. But I don't believe in Devonta Freeman, who they <laughs> signed onto the practice squad. Zach Moss is out, as we mentioned. TJ Yeldon, we haven't heard from in three years. Um, Singletary should get enough work overall and could fall in the end zone to break even here and to get a running back that's going to get 15-plus touches in your flex position at 4,500, I thought was pretty good. So I'm going to stick with a Cam Makers, Kareem Hunt, and uh, Devin Singletary, who, frankly, all three of them are kind of in that middle tier there. Who are maybe a running back or two that you're going to fade? Kind of the same thought process with Kamara. Uh, you know, his price point being the highest against a very good Tampa Bay run defense and this weird lack of usage in the past game. Granted, listen, they have they were on cruise control against the Bears, but I'm probably fading Kamara his price point. Um, I, you know, I'm not necessarily fading Aaron Jones, but I'm paying up for Chubb, so I'm not going to be able to get Aaron Jones in there too. But I think that's really it for the people I'm fading is probably just Kamara. And then that one sleeper guy is probably the same. I have Devin Singletary in my flex as well. So I think Kamara is the only one I'm just not willing to pay for. Um, the other thing, too, is the Tampa Bay running backs. I just, you know, with, with Ronald Jones being probably active and Leonard Fournette getting the passing game work, I, I'm not saying that someone can't be productive. I'm just saying that are we really going to know who it's going to be? If Ronald Jones has that quad issue, but he plays at 80%, is that worth the matchup? I'm going to say no. So I'll probably fade the Tampa Bay Bucks running backs as well. I would say the same exact thing for the Chiefs running backs as well. I'm looking here on DraftKings. Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, assuming he plays, is 5,500. Le'Veon Bell is 5,100. To your point, Ronald Jones is 5,200. Leonard Fournette is 4,900. So the Chiefs and the Buccaneers running backs are literally in a little four-pack here in the middle. So I'm probably going to fade both of those backfields, which essentially leaves Kamara and Aaron Jones at the top, which, again, I just – gut tells me it's it's overpaying for what they could deliver against these particular defenses and then i'm looking at kareem hunt and nick chubb or uh jk dobbins and acres so i feel like we're pretty much on the same pace for running backs all right let's turn the page here to wide receivers again we have some massive studs here up at the top we did not talk about uh Devontae adams last week as the packers were on by we also did not talk about uh, Tyreek Hill last week because the Chiefs were on a bye. We did have Stephon Diggs who went off. Michael Thomas, who was the, I mean, the steal of the season for sure last week, uh, just with his um, uh, lower ranking. And then Mike Evans, if you paid up for him, he did okay. Uh, and the rest of these guys here. So who do you have? Again, same thing. A couple guys up at the top here that you'd be willing to pay up for at the wide receiver position. And then maybe a couple of those middle tier guys that you would pay for. Yeah, so th this is the thing. I, I love Tyreek Hill. Um, the problem is Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey, you're paying the price. And it's hard to get those guys in your lineup. I'm trying. I'm still in the process of trying to figure out ways to get Hill in my lineup because, you know, his speed, but also because that he plays on the inside, which is very helpful. He gets away from guys like Denzel Ward. I would like to pay out for Tyreek Hill. Just haven't been able to do so yet. And he's my preferred option, even over Devontae Adams. Yes, Adams is going to get his against Jalen Ramsey. He does play enough in the slot. But when you're talking about $9,000 on FanDuel, and we've talked about this last week, you it's about the price point. So for him to, for you to cash, you probably need to get in that 120 to 125 range this week. And that means Adams is going to have, have like a 20-point game. Can he do that? Of course. But against Jalen Ramsey and that price point, I think you're – it's less likely he's going to have a 20 point performance. So I'm probably leaning Tyree kill for my buy-up options. Um, on the other side though, I will say the guy I'm probably paying up for the most is probably Chris Godwin. I just talked about this uh, before because of the slot performances against the New Orleans saints. If Marshawn Lattimore is on Mike Evans 
and the slot funnel defense of the New Orleans Saints. I like Chris Godwin. He's also been pacing the team in targets as well, and his hand is only getting better. So I think Chris Godwin's the guy I've been paying up for. The other guy is, is Michael Thomas. So I just touched on the buck, uh, the Bucks. They are number one in dropbacks, one in expectation on defense, and they teams throw against them constantly, and they are a true pass funnel defense. I know Michael Thomas struggled, but I think it was more of circumstances. He was banged up in week one. It was his first game back against them with the ankle. Uh, previously, I think he's finally healthy, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not stopping anybody on the outside, so Michael Thomas is in there. And then my other guy is kind of pivoting off your Baker Mayfield is Jarvis Landry. So Landry is 6900 on FanDuel. He actually is a decent price point. He's in the middle tier, but he's my third receiver, uh, mostly because I, I can't pay up for anybody else. You know, Mike Evans, we just talked about Lattimore. And then from Landry to get up to the next guy is Stephon Diggs at 1700 So maybe I can make a concession, probably dropping Chubb to Dobbins. And let's get your feedback about this. What if I did Dobbins and, and Diggs versus Landry and Chubb? What do you think is a better duo? Uh, let's see. Diggs and Dobbins, Landry and Chubb. Um, man, honestly, it might be, uh, Chubb. Well, let's see. Sorry. You're going to go double Browns then Landry and Chubb. No, it'd be Landry. Yeah. It's Landry and Chubb versus yeah. Diggs. Yeah. Diggs and Dobbins. Hmm. That's a tough one. Um, let's see, without running numbers on my side, um, I don't have any four of them in my lineup. I just made I I, I just made a different a different work there. But uh, if I'm trying to calculate in my head quick, I mean Diggs is Diggs has got the most upside, obviously. Um, Chubb I think has the best guaranteed floor on the ground, um, but I'm not sure. I I love Landry necessarily, but I did just bat for Baker. Honestly, I might go double Browns um, just because I think that they're going to definitely get the work, uh, whereas Diggs is Diggs, but they could potentially not shut him down, but he won't have a Diggs game per se for that 7,300, and Dobbins could potentially lose work to Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards and whatnot either. So, um, man, I would hate to have Diggs blow up and (laughs) blow up on my face, but but on on, – on this thought right here without crunching numbers and being put on the spot, I think I might go double Browns actually. I know that's what I got my line on now. So that's my third guy. What about you? <clears throat> All right. So I'm going to, I am going to pay up. I'm going to go with Tyreek Hill and I'm going to go through my whole lineup here later and let you know kind of how I was able to get Tyreek Hill in there. I feel pretty good about my lineup this week, but everybody always feels good about their lineup and then the weekend <laughs> happens, but um, I am going to pay up for Tyreek Hill here. Uh, it's just, look, I mean, First of all, we saw Tyreek Hill a couple times this year. He can literally win your week in a quarter, let alone an entire game. I do think that the Browns keep it close-ish, and by close I mean competitive. Even if they're up by two touchdowns, the Chiefs are still going to be chucking it. They don't run very much. Tyreek Hill, Mahomes, whatever. I'm not going to do the Mahomes stack, but I think I play a little defense against a competitor who most people will probably have Mahomes, and uh, I'll play uh, Tyreek Hill there, so I like that. My other guys in the middle of the pack, I do like Michael Thomas, as you mentioned as well, but just to uh, go a little bit different here, I do like Marquise Brown, and I know this is tough. I've actually not batted for Marquise Brown one single time this entire season, but at this point, I think, you know, he has seven targets in five of seven games. That doesn't necessarily mean anything for him because he could have three catches on those seven targets for 30 yards. We know that, but he could also have five for 150 and two. Um, I'll take the upside with the boom bust. He's only at 5,200. Um, so if I'm taking that in the middle of the pack, he's around guys like, like Landry, but way more upside, Antonio Brown, more upside, Cooper cup, uh, Cole Beasley, more upside than all those guys. I'll take the risk there with Marquise Brown. And then if we go way down the list here where I'm saving money, um, I'm going to go with Deontay Harris of the saints. Um, he led New Orleans in targets, receiving yards, and had a touchdown last week. We talk about Michael Thomas because he's Michael Thomas, and rightfully so. But if Michael Thomas gets the double treatment, which he should, Drew Brees is going to look the other way. Deontay uh, Harris has been that guy a couple times. Uh, seven targets, seven receptions last week. I think he's gained that trust. He's very cheap. Um, he's 3500 He's basically one of those, quote-unquote, free squares. Uh, so I kind of like him. Again, I'm uh, super shots in the dark. 
with Marquise Brown and Deontay Harris, but I think they have big upside touchdown upside. And uh, I'm able to get Tyreek Hill in there who should have the floor on the upside as well. A couple other guys to mention, um, of course, you know, I'm going to stick away from uh, Adams and Diggs, frankly, just because, again, the matchups and what you're costing them. We know that each of those guys could go 10 for 150 and two, but I don't expect it this week. I do like Michael Thomas. I'm actually going to fade the Bucks uh, just because I don't know who it's going to be, and I don't really want to sweat that out over the weekend. Um, I like Robert Woods on DraftKings because of that full PPR. Um, I guess we just talked about Landry. I don't hate that move. Uh, and then John Brown, look, he gave you a goose egg last week. And I know that's a, that's a scar for sure, but 4,600, um, again, kind of free. And he has that huge upside. So potentially John Brown. And then again, a couple just deep sleepers. Uh, you have guys like, uh, Richard Higgins, Marcus Valdez, Scantling, uh, Willie Sneed is, is free. Josh Reynolds is free. Those are the type of guys who could potentially catch a random touchdown. If you're trying to stack your lineup with Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, Adams, Diggs, if you have a huge lineup, some of those deeper receivers is where you can save some money. Who are a couple of guys that maybe you're fading on the receiver side? Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I, I don't think uh, full fade. I think it's probably going to be Mike Evans uh, is probably the one guy, especially dealing with the bum wheel on top of the Marshawn Lattimore thing. You know, he's been he, – He's been like he did catch a touchdown the last time, but same time, he doesn't give you enough boost. So, for him to really return value, he's got to get you over 15 points this week on FanDuel and half point PPR. So, to be honest with you, I just don't see it. He doesn't do it that much against Marshawn. So, probably saving money, Mike Evans. Adams to me, listen, I just think that you're in Lambo, it's hard to fade him completely, but to you have to sacrifice everywhere else. So, to pay yeah. the $9,000 on FanDuel when you could pay, you know, for example, like I'm paying for Michael Thomas and Chris Godwin, they're both 72 and 75 for me to get up to Adams. It's another 1500. And then where are you sacrificing? Am I going to go from Chubb down to, I can't like, I would have to go to Dobbins for example. So mm -hmm. I just think that I'm probably fading Adams in the sense that I don't need to pay up for him. I just think I can get better value in the middle areas, but I think Mike Evans is the only true fate of the slate. Fair enough. And that's kind of where I was. I love Adams. Of course, anyone listen to the podcast all season, he's, he's my dog for sure. Um, and he could go nuts, like even against Jalen Ramsey. And we know that you mentioned earlier, DK got Ramsey, uh, got away from Ramsey for two plays. He scored two touchdowns. Adams is going to spend plenty of time in the slot. When he does that, he may not get Ramsey and, and, and Rogers will feed right. him clearly. So he should be fine. But I got Tyree kill for 600 less and has equal upside and I think even more upside in this particular set of matchups let's get to the tight ends here man and we'll rally off our rosters after DSTs and we'll get out of here um look I mean Kelsey's back on the slate 7,800 on DraftKings the next cheapest is 5,000 for Mark Andrews that's literally $2,800 talk about savings for Mark Andrews but nobody is Travis Kelsey so that's up at the top there. Um, I am looking to fit Travis Kelsey in my lineup. I'll explain how I did that when I go over my entire lineup later on. Otherwise, you can't go wrong with Mark Andrews. We just saw Jack Doyle go nuts against the um, Buffalo Bills. Should be Mark Andrews as well. Robert Tunyon, I think, is a sleeper with everyone focusing on um, Adams as well. Jared Cook, Hooper, Gronk, Knox, any of these guys could catch a random touchdown. They're all much cheaper than Travis Kelsey, but it's really hard to get away from them. Right. Um, the the best two matchups on the slate are are Cleveland Browns and the Buffalo Bills for tight ends, and that's Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. So, um, yeah, it's uh, my lineup right now. I have Mark Andrews. He is significantly cheaper, about two thousand. He's nineteen hundred less on Fanduel. Uh, so I think really it'd be great to get a Travis Kelsey in the lineup. I would love to get some type of crazy stack where you can get the, the chiefs in there, but um, you're paying up for him. But I think Kelsey's worth it. I think, and, and Mark Andrews is worth it. If you can fit them into your lineup. Great. Uh, the guy I'm buying down to probably is Austin Hooper. Uh, the third best matchup on the slate for tight ends is Kansas city. And, and I think that you're going to have to throw, but Austin Hooper has been, getting ridiculous amount of targets. And I know it's a little frustrating, but when you're getting 11 targets and you only catch half of them, that's still, you know, five to six receptions. And for tight ends, that's good. So I think if you're buying down, it's, it's going to be Hooper. Hooper does is about 1100 cheaper than Andrews. He's about 3000 less than, than Kelsey on Fandle. So my buy down option is definitely Hooper. 
who is the tight end you're going to fade if not i mean you either go all in on kelsey or you don't so we won't necessarily count him as a fade um but who would be who would be the other guy that you would you would possibly fade even at the again gronk look we say it every week he could have two catches but they could be for two touchdowns he's at 3600 he's 4500 less than travis kelsey yeah, you know what the thing is? So, like, on the slate, the worst matchup for tight ends on the slate is Green Bay. So that would be, you know, Higby. And I, I'm listening. You know, he's, he's not even that expensive on, on FanDuel, for example. But I, I just think that when you're looking at the, the injury to golf, playing on the road, you know, Higby, you know, to me, he's the worst matchup on the slate. So I'd probably fade him. And then also Gronk. Like, Gronk has been – uh, he's still like top five overall in, in, in pricing. So, you know, like he, him actually is fourth on Vandal. So he's still being priced like a top, top on the slate. And he just hasn't produced. We saw Cam break at the production last week. So I'm probably fading Gronk and, and Tyler Higby. But, you know, the problem is with the price points of those guys, they score a touchdown, you look like a dunce, but I'm just not interested in buying them. I agree. And the reality is I'm paying up for Kelsey if I can. If not, I'm going to pay quote unquote down, but still pay up for uh, Mark Andrews because I know that they are going to be the focal point of each of their offenses. And I want that frequency with the tight end in DFS. I'm not willing to go. I hope this guy scores a touchdown on one of his four targets. And that's what you get with Tunyon, Cook, Hooper, Gronk, Knox, Higby, Brait, any of these guys. I'm not going to in in regular uh, uh, weekly lineups redraft leagues then that's what you that's what you do right um but in dfs there's there's no way i think i can just say one thing too though like the biggest thing last week was there was lower cost guys in good matchups this week the studs have the best matchups so with sky what you said last week is perfect like the studs have the best matchups don't get cute play the studs totally agree let's get into our dsts and then we'll go through our rosters real quick here uh top DST on the slate here, the Packers 3,900 going up against the Rams. Again, Jared Goff beat up in that matchup there at home. Big favorites, of course. Then the Chiefs, Saints, Bucks, Bills, Rams, Browns, and the Ravens are actually the third, uh, third from the bottom matchup there. Uh, great defense, but again, going up against Josh Allen on the road in Buffalo. Uh, who's your top one or two defenses and who's a defense you're going to fade? Yeah, the best one probably on the slate is going to be the Green Bay Packers against the Rams at home. Uh, You know, obviously with Jared Goff dealing with his injuries, I would say that if you can get the Packers in your lineup, I would do that. Um, The other one I would say that is kind of, I'm buying down to, so this is just my buy down defense, is the Tampa Bay Bucks against New Orleans. Uh, You know, it's not a great, it's just so Alvin Kamara, they haven't been using him in the passing game. I think they can stop him on the ground. The force Drew Brees to throw a little bit more, maybe cause some turnovers. Um, I, it's just a buy-down option. To be honest with you, I'm kind of punting the defenses this week because I want to buy up elsewhere. So I have Tampa Bay as my buy-down. But if I could, I really like Green Bay at home against a Rams-banged-up quarterback in Jared Goff. It's a great move if you can fit him in there. Um, I'm actually – I'm probably going to go – I'm going to buy down probably regardless, and that's going to be – I like I like the um, – the uh, Bucks pick, I, I'll say same game. I like the Saints pick as well. Uh, Brady's Brady. He's actually looked pretty great this season. Um, I actually saw a stat uh, from PFF. It was incredible. Brady has the highest depth, uh, average depth per target this year, dot, and Drew Brees has uh, the lowest, which is usual for Joe, Drew Brees, but the whole thing coming into the season was Brady couldn't throw deep, and in this offense, he's frankly been forced to, and with Mike Evans and Gronk and Godwin and AB, he's able to do that, obviously. However, He's good for a couple of picks these days. He's totally immobile, as we know, so they can get to him and bring a couple of sacks. We like that for DST. So I like the Saints as my buy-up-ish. DST is a third on the slate. My buy-down is going to be the Ravens um, against the Bills. Look, the Ravens are – the Bills are a very good offense. They're at home. I get all that. I'm actually going against what I said last week, which is looking for the home team, looking for the favorite, blah, blah, blah. I'm actually going to go against all that this week. Because, again, as I just mentioned with the Saints, I think that, you know, Josh Allen isn't turnover prone per se, but he could take a couple of sacks. They could get a couple of turnovers. The defense is healthy for the first time all year right now. They're playing very good football. I think the Ravens have a chance to actually win this game straight up. 
And uh, I just think they're going to come in angry and, and on a mission, man. And I think that at the price point of 2,800 um, over the Rams and the Browns who are playing Green Bay and Kansas City, no way. So the cheapest option that I feel be- best about would be the Ravens um, against the uh, Buffalo Bills. All right, Bobby, why don't we run down our uh, full lineups? So why don't you give me your entire squad here for the divisional round? Yeah, so I went Drew Brees uh, as my buy-down quarterback. I, I put him in my lineup. Cam Akers, Devin Singletary, and Nick Chubb are my running backs. Wide receivers, Chris Godwin, Michael Thomas, and Jarvis Landry. My tight end is Mark Andrews. And my defense is the Buccaneers. So you were able to get one of those running backs in your flex position, correct? Who was that? Yeah, Nick. I got Nick Chubb, Singletary, and Akers. All right, great. I am going to go with Lamar Jackson, so I'm going to pay up a quarterback, but not Mahomes. I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson. I'm going to go with Cam Akers as well. I'm going to go with Kareem Hunt over Nick Chubb. I love Nick Chubb. He could be great. It's just a matter of price point. I could save a little bit there. 1,200, I'm going to go with Kareem Hunt. Tyreek Hill, uh, Marquise Brown, and Deontay Harris. Uh, Two shots in the dark at least at wide receiver, but looking to save money there. Travis Kelsey at tight end. Devin Singletary, starting running back, 15-plus touches, should be in a shootout at the flex, and then I'm going to go with the Ravens. So, again, I am going to do a Tyreek Hill-Travis Kelsey stack, not bringing him a Mahomes because I can't afford him, but if I'm in a tournament or I'm up against one-on-one, the chances of my opponent having Patrick Mahomes is very high. I doubt they could do a triple stack with these guys, so any of Mahomes' points, more or less, come to my team with Hill and Kelsey. So I'm going to take that. So once again, Jackson, Akers, Hunt, and Singletary, Hill, Brown, Harris, Kelsey, Ravens. Bobby, one more time, what was your lineup? Yeah, so I had Drew Brees, Cam Akers, Devin Singletary, Nick Chubb at my flex. Then I went Mike Thomas, Chris Godwin, and Jarvis Landry at receiver, Mark Andrews at tight end, and then I went Tampa Bay Bucks at defense. I did not go with the quarterback wide receiver stack, but I went with Hill and Kelsey instead. You went with Breeze and Michael Thomas stack. Pretty much a must in DFS these days. Well done, my man. Before we get out of here, brother, let everybody know where they can find your content. Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Fantasy Football X Factor, on Twitter at FFXFactor. And you also can find my, my articles on football.rasball.com and expandtheboxscore.com as well. We've got content for you all off season. We're heading into more coaching changes. We're heading into the combine. We're heading into free agency. Obviously the NFL draft coming up after that. Stick with us right here on the candlestick kids, fantasy football podcast. Find us on Instagram at fantasy football, underscore TCK pod on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. And you can check out our, why uh, our rankings currently under construction on the website, but you can still check out our rankings, but stay tuned there. We're going to have articles and everything else coming for you. We've got the rest of the team coming up next week. For my man, Bobby LaMarco, I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.